this is Ruth from Volunteer Galway and you're very welcome to this week's episode of This is Community, a Volunteer Galway podcast. This week we're joined by Ashling Colreevy from Galway Autism Partnership. Ashling talks to us about uh, the small beginnings of GAP to the extent of their work in the community now, uh, supporting families living with autism, as well as all the work they do in providing education and awareness raising uh, within the wider community. So Ashling works as the coordinator within GAP and is very passionate about the entire subject of autism. She talks to us about the importance of seeking out voices of those living with autism for real social change today, and as well as how they have currently adapted their services while working through the pandemic as they start their current summer program for kiddies. So let's go over and have a listen to my chat with Ashling, which happened earlier on this week. Okay, so I am delighted to be joined by Ashling Colreevy. Did I say your name correctly, Ashling? You did, yeah, it's an unusual one. The coordinator with Galway Autism Partnership, otherwise known as GAP. Um, So you're very welcome to the chat today, Ashling. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Ruth. You're a busy woman by the sounds of it, I'd say. Um, yeah, I think anyone who works in the community sector has their hands full at the moment. Absolutely, yeah. It's a busy time. You guys are in the kind of reopening phase. So I'd love to chat to you a little bit about that in, in a wee while. But just to start, Ashling, will you give us some background to to your organisation, to GAP, for those people who may not know um, maybe the history and, and all that you do do in the community? Because I do know that you provide incredible and valuable services to many families in the community. Of course, yeah. So Galway Autism Partnership or GAP was established in 2011 and at first it was just set up around a kitchen table. It was a group of parents of autistic children and some autistic adults who were living the reality of being autistic in Galway and service provision was pretty poor. There was a lot that wasn't available. Um, so this group of people got together. So like I said, family members and autistic adults and kind of said, you know, we're here, we're living in Galway. What can we do to improve the situation? And it started off very informally around the kitchen table and at its heart was peer support. People with lived experience supporting one another. Um, sometimes they had the answers that maybe they couldn't find on their own. And then it kind of grew into the likes of social clubs, activities, summer camps. Very, very quickly, the need for autism-specific summer camps became very apparent. So they've been running for nearly, I think, eight years in total. So since then, GAP has become a registered charity. We've got a premises in Newcastle and Galway that we use as our office, but also our clubhouse. And we've, we still are very busy with the clubs, the camps, all the activities. But we've expanded to now offer parent and carer support, support for autistic adults. We do information sessions, training, webinars, um, presentations. We deliver training in local businesses on how to make uh, workplace autism friendly. Um, we go into schools delivering presentations about what students can do to make their school a friendlier and more welcoming place for everyone. Mm. So basically, if it's about autism and it's in Galway, we do it and we work on it. Um, now, we're a very small organization still. We're yeah. very much volunteer, volunteer-led. And our board now consists of autistic adults and parents of autistic children and adults. And um, they're all volunteers. So we do as much as we can with what's available to us. Mm. And we we face the same challenges that any charity or any community sector or organisation does. But it's been an absolute pleasure to work with the autistic community in Galway. They're 
they're a very vibrant, colourful, unique community. And to be a part of it is just amazing. I bet, I bet. Um, so it sounds like you've achieved an incredible amount in this space of what, you're, you're only established since 2011, is that right, Ashley? 11, yeah, that's right, yeah. Doing, so it, you know, it's funny to think work. about that. Yeah, it's funny, to, like if I feel the gap has been something that's been around forever now, but we're only coming up on a decade shortly. Yeah, yeah. And you really are, in a sense, filling such a gap that exists in society, you know, within like within our communities. You're providing so much work, not just in the in the gap house with all the services you provide there, but on an outreach level as well. Mm -hmm. um, it's incredible. Tell me about um, this time, <laughs> lockdown <laughs> period. Can we still say lockdown? I know we're all reopening slowly now, but how did it impact your services? Um, yeah, so it's the impact is huge it's massive um one of gaps strength is that we're a smaller organization so the ability to get all our staff at home and safe and working from home that was relatively straightforward and simple and i've often said you know being a smaller organization can be a strength in many ways we're very closely connected with our members we were able to call them and email them and ask them how are you getting on you know what do you need we were able to survey our members immediately and see what their need was going to be okay. during the pandemic yeah. um one of the challenge that is very, very apparent and obvious is that we had to postpone and cancel all our community fundraising. So as an organization that relies on that, we don't receive um, annual state funding. We receive grants and donations, yeah. corporate sponsorship. That was a massive blow and that was a huge cause for concern. How are we going to keep going when yeah. we don't have funding coming in? But we did, thankfully. Um, and like I said, the size of the organization has been a strength. So we were able to adapt our services in as much as possible to offer things remotely. So our support groups then went online. The therapy and the counseling that we did was delivered via Zoom and over the phone. We've even started doing online gaming groups and things like that. And then, of course, sharing information um, at a time such as during the lockdown when there was information overload we wanted to make sure that we were able to give our members evidence-based reassuring information sure. so one example of that would have been there would have been an awful lot of confusion around the summer education program or july provision as it's known right. so we spent an awful lot of time and energy making sure that we were communicating with um public representatives in the Department of Education and trying to get the most up-to-date information out to our members as possible. And once it was announced that the summer education program was to go ahead, we were then also able to pair them with tutors. So that's one way that GAP has maybe indirectly supported the community in Galway during the lockdown. Okay, so that's up and running now, is it, Ashling? You're, that's you're, it. You're physically yeah. doing that now. Yeah, so we're still, um, so again, if anyone's interested in learning more about the summer education program that mm -hmm. the Department of Education delivers, they can contact GAP because it's confusing. It's, it's not easy to get through. The information that's out there isn't exactly, exactly user-friendly. So if somebody needs a little bit of support and assistance actually applying for the fund and finding a tutor, they can contact GAP. And that goes to, that's the same for anything, whether it's applying for domiciliary care allowance, looking for an assessment of need, anyone who has a concern relating to autism, anyone who has a question relating to autism, you might have a child that has not been diagnosed, but you're 
you think they're showing traits, they can contact Gap over the phone or by email. If you're an adult who thinks that you might be autistic, you can get in touch with us and see what that might mean for you. Um, so we can continue to do a lot over the phone and over email. I suppose nothing compares with the in-person interaction. We would always, when a new parent or a new person contacted Gap, we would always invite them in for a tea and a coffee. And that was as much to provide emotional support as it was to provide information. Um, at Gap, we kind of see autism more of a, more of a positive than a negative. Um, but when you, are, you as a parent have been told that your child has been diagnosed, there's this kind of shock that goes through your system. Yeah. So Gap wants to work to kind of minimize the impact of that shock and yeah. allow parents to look at the next stage and see their child for the wonderful individual that they are. Yeah, it's incredible um, to witness how small community organizations such as yourselves have adapted and evolved. Thankfully, we have technology. Thankfully, we have Zoom and other platforms that we can continue to support mm -hmm. the most vulnerable in the community. It is absolutely incredible. Um, what's, your, what's your plans going forward? I know none of us can have majorly long-term plans at the moment. We kind of all have to keep it in the short term to medium yeah. term but come i suppose so it's summertime now so so what's your kind of projections for the next few months yeah birth? so this would have always been our busiest time of the year and yeah. um, this is when we start our summer camps so yeah. under normal circumstances we have camps that run from june to august and they're so much fun the kids love them they're really engaging so children as young as three up to 17 years would attend our camps Fantastic. and they really and enjoy them too What's that? Loads of volunteers get involved. Loads of volunteers. And we had plenty of international volunteers over the summer yeah. as well. We did a lot of programs with international volunteering groups. And um, there's a respite for the parents and the families. But most importantly, the kids get to have fun and make friends. So we actually didn't think we would have the opportunity to run camps this year. So we were delighted now to see that the re restrictions have been lifted, that we can run camps. But mm -hmm. it does mean a lot of additional work. So we're only back in the office now three days and already kind of the list of work and the hand sanitizer and everything. It's, it's all mounting up. Um, so I would suppose, suppose I would to have noted that and it was so sudden and it was a bit scary in that sense in that it was so yeah. sudden but it was very black and white you knew what you could do and you knew what you couldn't do you stayed at home as much as possible and you worked from home whereas the recovery there's that beautiful light at the end of the tunnel where we're all looking forward to getting back and being around people we know and seeing them in person yes. but we know that there's going to be a lot of work before we get to that stage yes. so at the moment we are planning our summer camps we're delighted to say that um, we're looking at ways that we can modify them to be as safe and um, comfortable as possible for our members we know that there's going to be a lot of barriers we know that you know children who are autistic or neurodiverse will face challenges relating to COVID-19 that typically developing children won't face and we have to be conscious of those what, we, what are those challenges Ashling? so it's it would be things like you know wearing um, a facilitator or a volunteer wearing a mask a yeah. visor it would be things like having to maintain social distancing mm -hmm. so uh, an autistic child for a lot of different reasons may not be able 
to maintain social distancing. So it could be their comprehension. It could be the need to seek out sensory environments um, where they can be close to people. It might be their only form of communication that they can come up to somebody and interact with them. So social distancing is going to be a challenge. Even the really practical things like the hand washing and things like that. Some of the children that we work with have an aversion to washing their hands. So we have to be conscious and we can't exclude a child because they physically can't wash their hands um, and they won't enjoy a summer camp and they won't be prepared to go back to school in September then. So there's a lot of different challenges. Um, I suppose we would rely on the tried and true methods of things like social stories and providing as much information as possible before a child can come to the camp. So we're going to be sending out pictures of the summer camp facilitators in the full PPE, in the gears, to give them a little bit of preparation around that. Yeah. I suppose um, we're also, the camps are going to look very, very different this year. We're going to have less children. We would always keep our numbers small so that we could support children to the best of our abilities but we might be looking at having two children in a camp at any one time. Right. And for some children, that will be the ideal scenario because there's less noise to deal with. There's less, um, you know, there's less um, variables that they can't control. If there's less people in a room, they know what to expect. But then there's other children who will be really craving that, and missing their friends and their buddies, and just they'll want to just yeah. get back to normal as quickly as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so it's going to be a lot, a lot of learning along the way, I imagine, for everybody. Mm, totally, yeah. Mm. And it's something I've always noticed in this role. We learn from these children. Yes. They show us whether they're verbal or nonverbal. They communicate what their needs are. And we are going to have to listen more than ever um, to see how we can meet their needs during this time. Yeah. You said something earlier um, that, you know, you guys um, are very much focused on, you know, the, the positive over the negative with, mm. with autism. And I wanted to ask you, do you feel that public perception of autism is shifting or has shifted um, in, in recent years? Where, where do you think we're at as a, as a society? Mm. You know what? It's, it's, I think if you asked me as a non-autistic person who works in the community and has autistic family members, I think my answer is going to be very different from an autistic person. So I might think things are slowly but surely getting better, but an autistic adult who lives it every day might have a completely different answer. Um, I do think service provision is poorer than it, ha it was maybe in 10 years ago. Um, so children and adults are not getting the appropriate mental health service, psychology, um, speech and language, occupational therapy. There just isn't enough of it in this country to go around. And that's really unfortunate. And when children's and adults needs are not going to be met, that's when you're going to encounter the difficulties. And it's those difficulties that people, society in general, think of when they think of autistic people. Mm. Um, I think society doesn't see autistic people as being generally happy and quite contented, which they are when their needs are met, just like anyone else. Mm. But they see autistic people as maybe being um, a child in a supermarket having a meltdown. Mm. And that's not autism. That's a tiny fraction of autism. That's a tiny part um, of a person's life. Um, but I suppose there is more awareness of autism, definitely. And, aut and awareness is always a good thing. But awareness isn't worth 
anything if it's not paired with acceptance and understanding. Absolutely. Um, so you can be aware that a person is autistic, but unless you're willing to listen to them and accept them um, for who they are, then what's the point of being aware? And I, I suppose something I, I'd be mindful watching things that are going on in the world in social media and around us at the moment. And we see amazing movements like Black Lives Matter. And we mm -hmm. see how pride has become very much something, a part of our mainstream. I'm wondering where is the space for the disabled person in all of this? You know, there are disabled gay, LGBTQ, trans, black people of color all over the world and in Galway, you know, so where are they being included in these conversations and have they been allowed to be included in these conversations? That's something that I'm always mindful of. And again, I'm very, very mindful that I am speaking as a non-autistic person. So I would always say when I'm speaking to someone like yourself, Ruth, go out and seek the autistic voice. I can only give you one perspective and it's very limited, but um, the autistic person will give you the true understanding of what it is to be autistic in Galway yeah. now. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was going to ask you a question, but I think you've kind of answered it already. I, I was going to sort of ask you, you know, if we, if we did live in a world where diversity was truly valued and mm. social inclusion was truly valued and respected, what would that world look like, you know? And, and, and I suppose I'm wondering, how do we have those experiences? You know, how do we open ourselves up to that, to, to befriending an autistic person, listening to an autistic person, seeing more autistic people on mainstream media or mm -hmm. represented wherever, you know, in, in, in more positions of power? What does it take to get there? That's a really big question, but. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, first and foremost, you seek out the voices, you know, you, mm. like um, a lot of the times when we look at something in the media, talking to an autism expert. And can I just say, I'm very aware um, that of the hypocrisy of what I'm saying as a non-autistic person talking to you. But a lot of the time when people seek out an autistic, an autism expert, they're talking to a professor or a lecturer. Mm -hmm. um, they're not actually speaking to someone with lived experience. That's the equivalent of talking to a white professor on um, African-American studies or something like that. So you can see how, how ludicrous that is. So we need yeah. to seek the voices um, and a variety of voices, not just verbal voices. So you, we need to look for people of all abilities, of all levels of needs, of all backgrounds and experiences and see what being autistic means to them and how things can be improved. Um, you know, I could sit here and speculate about what we could do in boardrooms and organizations, in schools, in places of education, what we could do to make it more autism friendly and autism accepting. But chances are an autistic person might walk in and say, hang on, now, that doesn't make sense. That's not what we're actually looking for. We're looking for understanding. We're looking for acceptance. We want to be listened to. But if that's kind of scary and overwhelming to people, the first thing we can do is just listen. You know, we, we can't speak for autistic people. We have to open ourselves up to listening and we have to open ourselves up to being challenged as well. You know, something that we thought may have been right originally, um, like a form of intervention or support, that might not be what an autistic person actually wants. Yeah. We need to see what, what they actually do want before we prescribe something. 
I thought it was interesting that you mentioned, you know, not just verbal communication, because I think we, we are so tuned into only listening to verbal language, to words. But I think we, as a society, we need to open up all our senses. Totally. And, absolutely. And all languages. You know, there's all there's all different forms of communication and, you know, in a sense, body language, whatever it might be. And, and, and to respect that as a form of communication also from people. Yeah. And technology has come in the last decade or so where we're seeing alternative augmented forms of communication. So people can use iPads, they're communicating online via Twitter, Instagram, using pictures. So the world has opened up in terms of communication. We don't have to rely anymore on verbal. There are so many different ways and each one is valid. And that's a really important lesson for everyone at every level, educators, healthcare professionals. We need to accept people's preferred forms of communication because otherwise we are asking people to deny a part of themselves and to conform to a non-autistic standard. And like I said, you know, sometimes it's about challenging ourselves and making us as non-autistic people making ourselves a little bit more uncomfortable you know you know we we can't always put our needs first Mm -hmm. when we're talking about accessibility so while it might be more comfortable and easy to communicate verbally we need to take a little bit more time and attention and effort in order to accept and engage in non-verbal communication too absolutely yeah fully agree Mm. um you guys ordinarily, you know, you, you touched on this earlier as well. You do a, a hell of a lot of fundraising throughout the year. Have you, are, are you currently looking at adapting that now and, and how you might continue to, to fundraise? With yeah, the, it, uh, it, I mean, they are? sorry, sorry, I keep speaking over you there. No, you're um, okay. Yeah, it's, I, it's just a necessity. You know, we have to look at how we can adapt to fundraise online. Yeah. It's a challenge that I'm certainly very anxious about. I don't come from a fundraising background. We are currently looking at doing online fundraisers. Um, you know, I wonder myself, is there anything that's going to be able to replace that mm. big event? So we would have done an yeah. annual lip sync. We just started doing things like an annual ball. We don't know if that will go ahead this year. Um, yeah. You know, fingers crossed, we'll have to see how things progress. Yeah. But we are looking at doing virtual and online fundraising. So um, I'm actually delighted to say that we've partnered with Down Syndrome Galway to do a joint fundraiser. We're having a virtual ladies day and we'll be accepting entrance via Instagram so things like that you know it takes a little bit of a different approach but we are excited about it um whether it can replace community fundraising that remains to be seen and like I said it would be something that would you know cause a few sleepless nights I suppose um but I'm in good company I think when I say that there's a lot of amazing organizations in Galway there's a lot of charities that rely on community fundraising and the generosity of the goal of Galway public is just unbelievable and you know I have to say that generosity has not let us down so far what we have actually had to do over the course of the the lockdown we started selling um, reusable cotton masks Mm -hmm. and they were made by volunteers I think so far we've raised over 7,000 euro through the sale of reusable cotton masks online um, and again that was just an opportunity that presented itself we put out a call for volunteers we got 12 women who didn't even know gap and what we did who came back and said i'd like to help and because of their generosity of spirit of talent of their time 
we've been able to raise that 7,000 euro. And I say that to them constantly. I say, you have raised that 7,000 euro. It wasn't Galway Autism Partnership. You're the ones who made the product, who got sent out. Um, and it's just been a total lifesaver. I'd actually like to take the opportunity to thank all the ladies that helped us with those face masks. I hope they're listening because thank you will never be enough. Um, when all this is done, and we can have a bit of a tea and cake and a little get together. We'll be inviting them into the gap house to show them where the money they raised is going. I know it's incredible. That's, that's an amazing story. And you're so right when you say thank you will never be enough because the level of generosity and care and, 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 you know, just volunteer effort that, that has been that's happening it. the last few months is absolutely, you know, overwhelming in the most beautiful way. Yeah. Um, it's been lovely to chat to you, Ashling. Um, I just wish you the very, very best with absolutely everything. I'm sure you're, you're very busy summer ahead. Please God, our nice weather comes back. Yeah, fingers crossed. Like. And you know what? We're delighted to be busy, you know, because it, know. Just, it means that return to normality. We know there's going to be challenges and obstacles along the way. It's something that we're very used to working hand in hand for and with the autistic community, mm-hmm. you know, challenges present themselves as soon as they step out the door. So I think, like I said, taking a moment to sit and be a bit uncomfortable and say, we're going to have to think outside the box here. At least we have a community that are very used to doing that. You know, I, I was just thinking that, isn't it interesting? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's Arthur, it. You know, yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. Thanks, Ruth. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, and, and um, you said you had a virtual fundraiser coming up? So our virtual Ladies' Day fundraiser to replace the the um, inevitable Galway Ladies' Day. So we're partnering with Down Syndrome Galway. Yeah. Entries can be done um, online via Instagram. We've got the most beautiful prizes. It's all on our website. So if people check out our Facebook and our Instagram, they'll get a better idea of that. We shall include links to that in the notes section. Of Thank this you episode. so much. That's fantastic. Anyone listening. So thanks very much for listening, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ashling. Um, once again, it was really inspirational and um incredible to hear about all the fantastic work that is happening in our community at this time and how community organizations really are stepping up to the challenges that that they are faced with um as always we will include all the info in the notes section of the episode we'll put a little link also to the fundraiser the virtual fundraiser that ashling mentioned that they are doing in conjunction with down syndrome ireland on ladies day so if anyone wants to find out about that there'll be a little link there and you can check it out if you want to take part and support both gap and down syndrome ireland